Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport in association with Lacker. Bicycle insurance powered by the community. Welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, the home of cycling. Brad, back once again yes. with the ill behaviour. We've just yeah, we've just got back from Hull, haven't we? We have. That was an experience. Yeah. An evening with Bradley Wiggins, as well yeah. as a, yeah. a podcast with him. So you did well, Graham. With well, you. Thank you. Yeah. It's kind of you to say. It's it was, right. uh, yeah, not, not an unpleasant experience. I promised I'd give you a leg up in the sport. Yeah, <laughs> and I appreciate it. Uh, a warm welcome back this week to Magnus Backstead. Maggie. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, Very good, thanks. Thanks. done in this building. I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's did, not did in this you, did building, you bring it with you? No, no, it's not no, here. But in this know. country, yeah, it is yeah, in this yeah, country. Yeah. This country yeah. um, and I'm very pleased to say you have brought with you Rob Hatch. You scraping barrel this week, aren't well, you? <laughs> no, I am. Possibly, possibly as Rob's carer. Because I am. Rob's I am definitely looking after himself. It seems. Um, <laughs> Proved that already this week, haven't yeah. I? Breastfeeding or something? Doesn't he? Just <laughs> <laughs> walk. Just about. <laughs> for anyone, for anyone who hasn't seen Rob's picture on Twitter, uh, don't look at it. Yeah, it's, it, Rob, you've come off your bike, haven't you? Yeah, we're not talking about your Tinder profile. It's, are we? Co- no, it's, called, it's, called, it's called an NBF. Um, so nothing but face. Nothing but face. Um, so the say no more. Eurosports, uh, it's cycling um, commentator supreme. Yeah, hang on. One really. question: Are we going to get casual, Rob? Or are we going to get your, your proper accent? Which one do you want? Your Lancashire one? Or are we going to get Rob? Well, which one do you want? I think we should get normal. Shall we go normal? So this Not is the Brad's, Brad's convinced that I've got a radio voice, and and he's you convinced that you've got. Yeah. You've got oh, no, I have. Yeah, you, you, I, you, you have to have a telephone voice. You've definitely yeah. got a radio. Voice. Yeah, because he wants to listen to an accent for five and a half hours. Because obviously, when I met you, I didn't realize. It's you. You don't put a face to yeah, commentating, yeah. you know, and then obviously you speak very differently. Yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I have to be clear to everybody no, in the I, world. You know, tell you what, it's good. So, are you gonna are you gonna stay with Atkinson? If you, you want, yeah, yeah. I've please. already done five and a half hours in a in an enclosed booth. So you've come, today, come so here maybe for a break. Well, chill it's, out. It's it's excellent to have you with us. Um, just describe to us your injuries, the extent of your injuries from your. So you went over your. I'll, I'll, I'll set the scene. Set you, the scene. You, Go so for you've, it. You've, you've had a little break from comms in the yeah. past week. Um, Richmond Hill, West London. Mm-hmm. You've gone. You've gone down to put your laundry in. You've got a backpack on your front. You've yeah. got a cotton bag holding your laundry on your back. Yes. A pair of jeans has come out of your bag and, and managed to wrap itself around your front wheel. And as a result, you have gone up and over. It's not as good as saying I went over in the sprint with uh, Bagstead and Kelly, is it, unfortunately? Kelly, we tried to cover it up. He's up the road, but unsuccessfully so. Um, Rob is a bit too honest. (laughs) So I'm sorry to to lay it bare, but your face is a bit banged up. I've made a mess of myself, haven't I? Uh, Yeah, I've got what I've got sort of strip stitches on my nose. Um, I've got my lip glued together and... um, I can't really walk very well on my knee. <laughs> and I woke up this morning with my shoulder in agony, but, you know, we'll get there. We we'll want you there. to go and get these things looked at as well. Um, we'll Brad, you've done a similar thing on a turbo trainer. Treadmill. <laughs> no, a treadmill, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a bit British cycling, had a treadmill, which is, it was a cycling treadmill. Uh, I was trying to watch a film on it on a laptop back in the day before, you know, the modern technology and Bluetooth and side wires and towels and all sorts going on. And 
yeah, I just uh, did similar to Rob on the treadmill and I hit the end of the treadmill and slipped my eye open. And um, fortunately, Ross Edgar was at that, there that day in the gym because it was in the gym um, and he was training and he stuck a towel on my head because I was, I was, I was hemorrhaging blood at a fast rate. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, was, it, was, it wasn't very nice, you know. It's quite embarrassing. Sure. But right. um, it's not nice because then everyone, you walk around for the rest of the time going, you're right, man, you've been in a fight. Mm, you've got, then you've got to explain fight. it. I've had people looking at me on the tube this week with a bit of, you know, with a bit of pity. Yeah, wondering if I've been fighting in a pub or something like that. No, I remember Rob Hales crashed, when he rode for Cofidis back in the day, he crashed in the Tour of Poland. Rob, When Rob crashed, he used to crash pretty spectacularly and he, I remember he, crashed, he he demolished his face to the point where when he arrived back in Manchester his wife started crying because she didn't recognise him and you live a, like this as a cyclist but I, I remember him saying getting on the plane and just feeling so embarrassed and so insecure and ashamed because mm. people just look at him and like <laughs> a, a woman actually said I don't want to sit next to me it's, it's, it's horrible <laughs> it's not that yeah, bad it's horrible but I think you, you know that this is part and parcel of cycling obviously yeah. you, you did it in the most embarrassing way taking you and Kelly's <laughs> pants down the long track <laughs> and Sean you know, you know Sean don't normally wash his pants does he <laughs> oh, no. well he'll do one pair of pants for the whole week <laughs> but, but yeah it's like that isn't it Maggie it is, it is yeah, cycling I mean when Maggie used to crash I remember crashing Qatar one year the yeah. crack's still there in the road you never really raced to that level again after that did you no not really no, no. It was quite a horrific crash, though, wasn't it, in sprint? He was, leading out, and actually um, the late uh, Walter Waylance uh, yeah. came across a little bit, and I wasn't quite looking where I was going at the time and all the rest of it, and it was just, yeah. yeah. And, you know, when you go down, right, you always spread yourself as wide yeah. as, po- as you possibly can. Take as many people with you as you can. So there's no real point in going down unless you're going to go down. You know, going down on your own, you basically just look like an idiot. But when you're taking more people with you, yeah, it you kind of makes sense. You say that about spreading. Yeah. Ma- Maggie raced in a time of spinachy wheels. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> put your arms out, would you? Were... <laughs> no, but time's changed, you know. As yeah. soon as the spinaches were, were gone, you could spread <laughs> you out again. <laughs> yeah. um, chaps, we've got to talk about today's stage of the Vuelta a España. Rob, feel free to pick me up on my pronunciation of, of where the, the summit finish ended. Uh, so stage 15, a punishing incline right from the very beginning of the, of the final ascent to the finish at, I'm going to say, Santuario Sanctu- 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 Acevo. Acevo. Nearly there, nearly there. I, I went for a ch instead of a s. No, it's the Italian and Spanish thing. This is the Flying Froome one up, isn't it, in 2011, isn't it? Uh, no, this is a different no, one up. It's, it's Quintana, Quintana yeah. won okay. this one, but a different side in 20, okay. 2017. Um, so the climb, this mm. side of the climb, 7.9k is long, mm. average of 9.7%, nudging up to 20% in places. We'll come to the finish, but first of all, here's how Colton called it for us on Eurosport. Oh, look at this showman at work. We said you're going to be hearing a lot more from this man. Well, you're hearing about him now. Let you all be aware. Sepkus is a mighty rider, so often required to ride for others. Today, he's ridden for himself, and he's taken a spectacular stage win. Sepkus does it for America, does it for his team, does it for himself, and does over everybody who finished. Finishes behind him. Wonderful racing by him. Um, so Sepp Kuss, the winner. Uh, Roglic's, or Primoz Roglic, his Jumbo Visma teammate, he went up, went off up the road, I should say. He put about 25 seconds between himself, Teo Gagan Hart, and Ruben Guerrero, uh, Katusha Alperson. Extended that to nearly 50 seconds, ended up about 40 seconds ahead. 24-year-old American. You know, he had enough time at the finish there, Rob. To, uh, it was high fives all round. He, uh, he was enjoying himself. Loved to see that as a, as a, as a rider at the finish. It was know? a huge step up for him, actually. Yeah. Um, we've only ever seen him winning in the Tour of Utah before this. He's 24 now, as you said. Yeah. Second year at the World Tour. A lot of hopes 
an expectation on him at the Giro, remember, and a lot of us were asking questions as to why there weren't more experienced riders. We were asking questions about the angles, weren't we? Mm. And the, the tactics at the Giro. Kuss was disappointing back then, but this time I think he's really stepped up, hasn't he? Well, I think we've been saying in commentary as well how he's, he just looks different on the bike when he rides around. He looks like he's got confidence now, mm. which he didn't in the Giro. Mm. And today I think would have given him even more confidence winning a stage in the world, his first Grand Tour. Uh, stage win and um, yeah, just a, a phenomenal ride by by the young man. He was so loose there going up as well. You, you know, you, you could see that he was given the he, he was clearly given the go ahead. Roglic obviously comfortable because presumably if Roglic was in in, in trouble there, he's still got Valverde hanging on to him on the final climb. They'd have called Coos back. But... Well, we were speculating, weren't we? Who was mm. going to get called back? Because yeah. we saw what happened in Andorra when yeah, yeah. Um, the tantrum from Mark Soler. Yeah. He got called back, didn't he, from, from Naido Quintana. <coughs> we had Yonis Aguirre who got called back earlier on for Lopez as well, but Roglic just stuck to Valverde's wheel like glue, mm. didn't yeah, he? Special mention for Teo, though. Special mention for Teo, yeah. I spoke, yeah. I spoke to him before I left in um, Alicante. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, he's... Um, I think I heard he was crying after the first stage when he lost that seven minutes, you know, because it mm. put so much pressure on himself. And as we said in the past, Ineos, you know, you don't get many chances to lead a team. And, and Teo realises, or maybe too much to his detriment, that he realised what it's like, the opportunity he has to lead that team. Mm. And I think it, he bared the brunt of that in his disappointment. And I said to him in, in Alicante before I left, I haven't been back since the, to the Vuelta, that if you're still seven minutes down in two weeks' time, you're going to be doing well in the Vuelta. Mm. And... Um, he got third today, so I'm pleased for him, actually, Teo. Yeah, I think that'll give him a lot of confidence. He's been chasing a stage win all week there, Maggie, hasn't he? He's Just a performance more than a stage. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, I think I think so, too. The performance has been there. It was there in Andorra. It's there today. Um, it just looked a little bit hesitant at points today, like the, when, when Sepp Kuss was, went up the road very early on on the final climb. He was there to go, but kind of hesitated. I think he was looking at Kirienko's sort of between Kuss and, and himself at the time and didn't really know whether he was allowed to kind of go after Kirienko or not. But nevertheless, you know, he's got the legs to be there right at the top of uh, a big stage. It was a very big mountain stage today, and, and there's more of them to come. So I think a bit of confidence will, uh, will help him. And, and they've been quiet as well, haven't they, Ineos? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they've been, for a Grand Tour well, team, they've been very, very quiet. Super quiet. Can anyone stop Roglic at this point? Roglic in red by... Two minutes and twenty-five seconds ahead I would of say Alejandro Valverde in second, like three forty-two ahead of third, really, because they're not going to get that out of him now, are they? I, I think they're a bit difficult to. Yeah. Um, he's only got one rider to really focus on now, and that's Valverde, especially yeah. with Quintana losing a lot of time today. Mm. So, with that, I don't think. Um, yeah, he's got one man, and and that's it. And uh, I mean, anything can happen in, in the Grand Tour. You know, it's three weeks of racing, fatigue sets in. What do you think of Quintana? Because I said in in in, in Calpe that for me now he's going to win the race. Do you think there's something with him leaving the team and Valverde, you know, winning the stage? And I mean, I just don't know. It, was, it seems odd, doesn't it? One minute he's mm. he's shining like at the tour, mm. the next minute he's completely out of it. I mean, just it, we were talking about it with Vola on, on on in the studio about team politics, and I always thought Movistar that never let, affected their racing, but it seems like it is, isn't it? I don't know. I'm asking you the question: what you well, have, what you make of it? So. Yeah, I'd like to be a fly on the wall in that yeah. camp when you know in the bus, <laughs> in the team bus, in the, in the morning, in the team meetings, and so on. But it, it Do you seemed... know Alex Dowsett described him as not a nice human being, which I thought was interesting. Oh. It, to just, that's quite definitive, isn't it? As a, uh, yeah, he's I, talking about him as a teammate. You don't get that impression of Quintana, but to, for him to say that, that's quite a definitive thing from Alex Dowsett yeah. to say, and that, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, mm. I I, th- I think there is a, a certain amount of of hierarchy going on, and and the bosses are like, oh, pulling. Well, we don't want Naira to win the Vuelta and then leave with mm. all those points and so mm. on. Valverde is clearly going very, very well. Um, probably the, the, the leanest, the fittest I've ever seen Valverde. 
and he's, he's showing now that he's, 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 he's just getting better and better. He's just getting better and better <laughs> and bolder and bolder. He's old and he's, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I should make a comeback soon, I think. You know, by the time I turn 50, I'll be good. Quintana, yeah. <laughs> um, five minutes, nine seconds down, Rob. I mean, that's, that's, that's it for him now. What do you expect from him for the rest of the race? Uh, it's not just the time difference. It's the sensation, the feeling on the bike, what he showed today. Yeah. I mean, Micah was better than him today. Yeah. Quintana was dropped at the first serious acceleration, wasn't he? Um, and again, the hierarchy in the team. I mean, what were Movistar playing at the start today? Because they sort of pressed dynamite on the race on the first climb mm. just to put Marc Soler up the road. And then they allowed Jumbo Visma to calm it down again. And it was an, an inverted comma an inverted comma, sorry, easier day for everybody else. You even had Fabio Jakobsen, one yeah. of the big heavy sprinters, close to the front just before the final well, climb. He was, he was there at the bottom of the final climb, mm. so it, it was really quite... quite Some Arieta in the car, I'm not sure yeah. what they were playing at Movistar. Mm. And again, you, you ask your question, and, and I, was, I was following the hashtags on Twitter and all this stuff, and, you know, and um, Perico on the Spanish telly was wondering, you know, what, what are they playing at? And there's a lot of scratching heads going on over there at the minute. Mm, probably still are. From a, from a team that's not getting it right to a team that, that is coming the end of the season is, is Jumbo Visma. Mm. Um, so obviously Roglic out front, um, Grunewagen, we've seen win at the Tour of Britain yesterday, his 12th individual win this season. We've seen them win you know, four stages at, at the Tour, including the team time trial. Um, and they've still got Tom Dumoulin to come. As well, do and we sign the, the winner of the Tour de l'Avenir again? Yep. Yeah, um, and 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 Wout van Aert as well, um, back on his bike this week too. It, 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 albeit an, an e-bike. Um, I think they've learnt a lot, certainly from the Giro when we were all very critical of them. I think um, they've put a stronger team here. They came with Hazing, who's an absolute brilliant domestique. Now he yeah. decided to give up chasing the GC. Of course, they had Karlsvik, didn't they? It didn't work out for him, but they've still stayed strong. And the young guys like Sepkus have come of age. Leonard Hofstede are the other mm. uh, ruler. He's been riding brilliant with Tony Martin, who I think has been a really good addition. Now he's gone mm. back to just being Tony Martin and not trying to win classics and go for his own sort of glory. I think they're a much more rounded team than they were at the start of the season. You know what? They, they, were one of the, they were the best team in cycling mm. 20 years, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. They were buckler, were perfect, weren't they? Yeah. They, they? It's an amalgamation of the team, but a lot of the guys, Franz Marsen, you know, um, Nico Verhoeven, um, Addy Engels, they all came, and then it went to Rabobank, of course, and Rabobank at one time were, although they didn't win Grand Tours, they, they were a big, big team. And so there's no wonder that still, if you've got that well, talent there and that, their minds... I gotta say that, that Rubberman probably was the the Kerning quick step of today yes. about 15 yeah. years ago, yeah. and and they you know they have the experience in the team. Absolutely. There's no doubt about yeah. it. It's just tweaking that I think towards mm. the Grand Tour. Uh, yeah. Type of racing, which is a different which mindset. Yeah, yeah. And I think they've had the beauty of having someone so raw as a team leader. Yeah. He, they haven't bought someone in, say, like a, a, friend, a Nibali, who's got his own way of doing things. And I think that that's helped them as well. And possibly even I think the management learning mm. from from Roglic because mm. it's a new way of riding a Grand Tour that that you know is so new to cycling and and to racing at this level. Mm. And I think they're both learning from each other. And now. We're, we're a couple of Grand Tours into it where he's riding GC and they've been learning every single time mm. they've been getting it wrong, going back, and it looks like it from where I'm sitting right now, like all these little mistakes, they've kind of picked up on them, they've put it in, sort of analysed everything and put it into place and now it's starting to come to more like the perfect But product. they're also profiting from the talent in Dutch cycling. Mm. Yeah. You know, Britain have benefited from that and having all the best riders in, in Sky and Ineos. And Dutch cycling, we're almost talking it as a negative thing. Oh, Tom Dumoulin's going next year, but it's like they're entitled to him. If Ineos would take a British ride, they tried to get Simon Yates, of course. And mm. you know, Dutch cycling have always, they, you know, they're quite an advanced nation in terms of technology and, and university and sports science and stuff. So, 
you know, good on them. It's about time as well, Matthew van der Poel. And, you, know, you can imagine them building a Dutch squad of, of some talent there. We expect them to be the team to, to really challenge Ineos at the I, tournament. I think actually overhaul them. Yeah. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, yeah. Well, they yeah. based their philosophy on Ineos as well, and they've mm. been quite open about that and said, yeah. look, two or three years back, they started concentrating on, on the time trial again. Yeah. They used the wind tunnel extensively. Yeah. And I've always thought gear. Sunweb mm. let Tom Dumoulin down, really. Yeah. He's yeah, better they, than they that. Well, they yeah, never no. signed the, no, the, the no, domestiques, absolutely. the army of domestiques that Jumbo have. could be the biggest thing changing. But I think what the interesting thing is with Jumbo Visma, they've looked at that, what Ineos have been doing, but they've looked at it from a much, much broader picture and picked up on all the little bits and pieces that Ineos have left um, open, mm. you know, open to chance. What can we improve to make an even better product? Mm. And I think at, at that moment, when you take your foot off the gas a little bit because we are the best in the world, that's the moment you're second. And Ineos at the Vuelta, certainly at, at, at this race, I mean, they've they've just not had a plan B. They've got, they've gone in for they've been like that all season. I mean, I know they won the tour, and I know Garay got second, but they're the two biggest rows. That you almost expect them to do that. But the, the Giro was the same, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and we criticised them at tour, even though they got first and second, and they got the job done. But they weren't the team of the year before, were they? No. And th- there is an element that we talk about. You know, it's, it's easy to say here, sitting on the outside, we don't know. There's been a lot of changes this year within that team. Of course, Rod Ellingworth left. You know, and the change at hierarchy and that, and um, Chris Froome crashing out and stuff. So. They will be the first, but they haven't been the squad in the in the strength of the squad. They have been lo- the last few years, and and I don't know if, if that's going to continue. It's going to continue sliding, or they can change that this winter. That'd and that's, you know, and they won the tour. Let's not forget they still won the tour, but, <laughs> yeah. but because because they've set such a level and they have set such yeah, a precedent. Expect more that, that that anything below that now seems like a failure, which is almost I wouldn't call it a failure. It's the wrong word, but I don't know. No, I think I think you're right. There's there's a lot of. A lot of things that need to be looked at, I think, over the winter from from Ineos. Wow, well, Powell's leaving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a big. Why, why would he leave a squad like that? I mean, he's kind of ingrained in that squad mm. as well. I mean, you have to start asking questions. Uh, and not just the fact that he's leaving, but I think who do you f- pick up to mm. fill his boots? Because that's a big man to to like well, they, replace in terms of his ability as, signed, as a dom- domestique. They signed Richard Carapaz, of course. Yeah, but a team leader rather than a yeah, wild pulls who's, who's a super domestique. And I don't use that word very often. And a super domestique in the mountains um, who will sacrifice his, his own race at any opportunity that he can. Mm. Carapaz is not that guy. He's Richard mm. Carapaz is a but winner. They signed him to win. Yeah, let's not forget. You know, yeah. he 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 benefited from team tactics the Giro to win. He's class rider. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Fourth the year before, did he in the Giro? But they have signed him for one reason, haven't they? Yeah. So they haven't signed him as a wild pals. If he says super domestique, and yeah. that's a different mindset, isn't it? When you go in as a team, lots yeah. of people fail when they go in that in that way in that mind. And does that mean the younger riders coming through? Are going I don't to have know. To take Paul's place. You're it, looking at Teo. Mm. You're looking at Sivakov, who is good yeah. as well. Does the signing of Carapaz sort of put them down in the pecking order again? That's a good question. If there's interesting you mentioning Sivakov there because I think that that man, if he's happy to take the role of of uh, Pools, I think is the man who could possibly do that job. I think very very classy in in you know good strong rider in the mountains, very very smart rider as well. Um, I think he could be the guy. But should he not be winning Grand Tours himself? He though? should be. On Richard Carapaz briefly, he was supposed to be riding the Tour of Britain, but was not granted. A visa Brexit. to do so. Uh, so, yes, the British government continuing to cover itself in, uh, in, in glory. What do we make of this one, Rob? <laughs> oh, shit, it's, like it's okay, we can bleep it. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, um, an absolute disgrace, an embarrassment. Exactly. The last three prime ministers, no one actually voted for. It's an Somehow they slipped that past the British public. <laughs> <laughs> Maggie, <laughs> what can you, what can can you, you vote in this country? Have you got the right? I, 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 I think I can vote. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
but I wasn't allowed to vote on Brexit. Yeah, really? Really. Even well, though it affects, you, even though it affects yeah, me yeah. massively, yeah. That's yeah. mad, isn't it? Obviously, you've friends like that, John. British wife and kids and that. You've lived here. How long have you lived in now? God, it's 15 years now. Right. I should I should probably classify as. What do you class yourself as now these days? Welsh. Welsh. <laughs> Welsh. Welsh. Welsh yeah. Half Swedish, half Welsh, mostly yeah, exactly. Welsh. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I, I, I don't know. Probably more British these days than yeah. I am Swedish. Yeah. yeah, but I think if you peel peel it open, it's still blue and yellow on the inside. Any? Uh, I'm not suggesting you've been denied a visa anywhere, any of you. But any horror stories on your travels? I've been denied one to get into Yorkshire next month because I live in Lancashire. <laughs> I mean, I'm in the World Championship. Well. I'm still waiting for it to come through. Uh, I'm not sure they let Rob back looking like he is either. Right. He's no, coming with me. It'll be all right. I, I've, I've paid off a couple of mates up there who live up there, so I'm, I'm all right. I can sort of get in undercover. Um, we'll bring part one to an end on that note. Uh, join us for more from the Badly Wigan Show after this. The only place you can watch every minute of every stage of the 74th Welter Espana this August and September is live on Eurosport 1 and on demand on the Eurosport player. Catch all the action across the 21 stages and find out who will be crowned the King of Spain. Try it for yourself on the app or at eurosport.co.uk. Welcome back to the Bradley Wiggins Show. Uh, Rob, as a long-time Hello. Eurosport expert commentator... That's a strong word. Tell us about, briefly, tell us about a little bit about your preparation for races and a little bit about particularly, because I'm fascinated by this, we know about it from a rider's point of view, for, with, a, with a grand tour, but it's, mm. you know, even today for you has been, and, and for Maggie, in fact, it's been an intense uh, period of commentating. You've come here for a break to the, to the Bradley yes. Wiggins Show. Um, but for a grand tour particularly, it's an intense, you know, it's, it's, it's an intense bubble for everybody. But... For you, how do you how do you prepare for it, and then bring us round to do you feel the need to sort of take the pressure off afterwards? Go and lock yourself in a dark room like uh, Carlton Kirby and, and eat a Chinese on your own. I'm not into Chinese. I struggle with that. <laughs> um, it starts in November, December, really. Yeah, uh, finding out things, nuggets, information about people, reminding yourself of who's changing teams, which kits coming out, all that sort of boring stuff that you need to know so you don't sound rather silly. And, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of prep work to sound vaguely knowledgeable. <laughs> um, that's the illusion we try to pull off anyway. Uh, but, yeah, you, you know, you have to know your subject. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you have to research, for example, so the Giro is the first main appointment for a Grand Tour. You're looking at the climbs. Have they been there before? Uh, the regions? And, and obviously, you, you know, if we're talking for five, six hours, it can't all be bike riding two wheels. There's other things that other th- people might find interesting, and even though they might not be interesting to me, yeah. you still got to find out about you've them. Got a full, you've got yeah. an awful lot of time to fill as well. Yeah. Do you you go out and do a recce of the course with for, for big stages? For oh, it depends if you're in the area. Yeah. I yeah. mean, to be honest, nowadays at the tour, for example, and and you'll know this, Brad, like. You don't have time to do that because we're, mm. we're starting, we're up and leaving the hotel yeah. at 8am, yeah, aren't we? And then we're, we don't get there until 9 yeah. at night. I mean, one thing I know, obviously, I only met you the last mm. year, really, since I've been working at Eurosport, but a lot of the public won't know this, but you speak five languages, don't you, Rob? Uh, yeah, if you include Lancastrian, yeah, yeah. Five, yeah four yeah, four plus Lancastrian, yeah. And also that, but I've noticed when we, we had a Domino's pizza, didn't we? And <laughs> we did, <laughs> yes. Um, that you're actually really a historian of the sport, you know? Well, we were talking about Italian riders yeah. that certain, like Fabrizio Guidi and all that, that were winning races for fun, and that, which you wouldn't necessarily know that if you didn't know you, mm. Rob, I think, because obviously you haven't got a book like Carlton for a start. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's just, but no, but it's, uh, I think obviously this is about the people listening and that, that hear your voice all the time but wouldn't necessarily know that actually your knowledge um, and the amount of language, which obviously 
your pronunciation of a lot of the riders yeah. is, is, is quite, quite impressive, isn't it? I, I just think it's normal. Like I said, well, if I know it already, why yeah. should I say it wrong? Mm. Um, and I, I know that some people struggle to understand mm. that. But And you live in Mallorca? Uh, for the minute, yeah. I mean, you I don't speak Mallorca? <laughs> I, can, I can read it, but yeah. I can't speak it. No, I can sit to it. A bit like me words. with English. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I spend a bit of time there. I used to live in the Canary Islands. That's where yeah. I got into Spanish and what have you. So that's where my accent. And it comes up, you, co- you live up the road. Well, you, you come from up the road from me, don't yeah, you? Yeah, from Accrington originally. Yeah, which is yeah. quite good. You live up, you did live at the foot of one of the most famous climbs. Maggie's ridden this climb, the Prude. Tour. Probably have. Well, Waddington <laughs> Fell, wasn't it? My dad yeah. lives right at the foot there. <laughs> My yeah, dad. Across from the pub. Aye. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's interesting, really, because obviously we hear you on the telly as you speak on the telly, but, <laughs> but your knowledge is immense, and obviously the languages you speak is quite impressive. Some from a lad from Lancashire. Aye, we do his best. Someone picked you up on, on your pronunciation of Superman Lopez this week. and so Maybe they did, yeah. Um, it's a funny story, because it's not Superman, as we'd say here. I mean, in Colombian, obviously, it's a, it's a version of Spanish. Yeah. And a man for them is just like a bloke, uh, you know, a person. Um, and, and Miguel Ángel López was attacked when he was riding his bike as a kid. Yeah. Mm. As a kid, as a teenager, as a gifted teenager. It was somebody with a knife who wanted his rather expensive bike, and he was stabbed in the process. Okay. And uh, he, I think he got stabbed in the leg. I think that was the story. Uh, but he fought this attacker off and managed to keep his bike, and ever since then he's been a superman, a super bloke. But obviously that, we play on that and superman, and, yeah, so that's where it comes from. But there is a difference. Is this, there, is, yeah, there is a difference, thing. but, I mean, yeah. I, I don't think, you know... People might have this idea that I'm going to get angry if people at home can't say the name. Right? <laughs> that's not the case at all. Not, not an angry that's man. That's not the case. Yeah. But if I'm on the telly <laughs> and someone's mum might be watching, I'm going to say it right. <laughs> well, I think, you see, if you do speak the language, and it's, it's the right thing to do. You've got to pronounce yeah, it. Of course, so, yeah. Um, yeah. All right, um, chaps, I want to ask you about, because we're coming to the end of the season, you know, the last week of the Vuelta, um, I wonder if we can talk about the moments of this season that have stood out for you. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, so, Rob, I'm going to give you an easy one to start with, and, yeah. and Matthew van der Poel at the Amstel Gold Race, because it was, a, it, was, it was obviously a breathless finish that he had no right to win. It was a breathless finish for you as much as anyone else calling it. I was with Matt Stevens on that day, and I think we both ended up kneeling on the floor after it. <laughs> I, I, I can't remember a finish like it. Mm. Um, and and certainly from a kilometre to go, you're thinking he's got no chance. In your head, sometimes you, sometimes you can prepare a line to say something you might think that sounds good. I remember Nico Matan winning Flash Willow. Game Webber game. But he got the car assistance, the cars. But it was similar, you know, you thought <laughs> it kind of... But, yeah, no, it was. I mean, that was purely on his physical capability, wasn't yeah. it? Which I think was... And the, the age of him... Everything he touches turns to gold. He's just in an amazing period at the moment. Isn't it quite funny, though, when you're watching him ride a bike? He doesn't ride it based on how cycling was or how we, we mm. see it, think it should be in the tank. And how good it should be. Well, and how good his dad was, and his granddad, and his granddad, <laughs> and his mum. <laughs> so, but yeah. but he kind of he kind of just he seems to ride it because it's fun, mm. and because it seems to kind of yeah. Yeah, it seems like a good idea to do right now. I'll go crack on with that, and 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 it just seems to turn into gold every time he does it. Yeah, but do you remember in the Tour of Flanders two weeks before that? How oh, he came from about move. four minutes behind from the mm. crash. Yeah, which was amazing, and he was still in the front. I mean, just, things like that are more impressive than the win. I'm happy to admit, well, I, call, I called him Flanders. out of the race. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get back you, you, on for well, well, but what, but very what rarely. It's yeah. obvious thing to do. Yeah. But one of, one of the interesting things about that mm. that crash and and uh, the, the the sort of the getting back onto the bunch again is when he rode past all the team cars and and you're seeing footage mm. from inside the team cars. Every sport director mm. sitting. Wow, how mm. did he even do that? Mm. And and yeah, he's he's something special. If we're talking about the end of the season, I'm I'm, I'm going to stick my hand up and say he's my favourite for the world. Just stick your neck out and yeah, say, well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So this I mean, is it though. Can we yeah. see 290k? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Seems who, like a fun thing to do at the time. Who is going to challenge him? Well, I would bit. say Julian Alaphilippe, but I don't think he, uh, he can't keep that of what he did. No. But, you know, we talk about standout moments. Julian Alaphilippe at the Tour is Meister. Watching him win stage three or whatever it was, the way he did it, mm. I never imagined that we'd be still talking about him on the Tourmalet before the snow. He could still win this, yeah. you know? Maggie, Jill Bear as well. Yeah, I think if it's yeah, a rainy, yeah, it's a rainy, thinking. miserable day in Yorkshire. Yeah, the way he's been it's, going in the yeah, Welter, yeah. I think he's bubbling up very yeah. nicely. I, thought you, I actually thought you meant moment of the year because <laughs> no, because he won Paris Roubaix. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he's, he's won. Was he won all the five monuments now, or one away he's, from them? He's got some. I mean, yeah, when you said Gilles Bear, I thought yeah, moment of the year because we talked moment of the year there. But Gilles Bear, Paris Roubaix, I almost forgot about that. I mean, this guy three years ago, I remember talking to him at Tour of Poland. He says, "I've kind of had enough now." Finished at BMC, goes to Quickstep, rejuvenated under. Favour and yeah, one Perry Bay. I would never imagine him win Perry Bay. I mean, he's always been a class act, but he's, you, he's when been you, chasing when that you for a long time. When you think he's finished, then. he surprised you again. Mm. Well, we we think he might be finished soon, and we thought we might have thought that he was finishing now. But he's got a three year contract at Lotto, he could and, be, and he's yeah. looking for Sam Remo now. He just I don't know. He, I, I I room with him. He's a Neo Pro. First race turned up at one of these races in France, and he had Pratichon something like that. And uh, he he was he's he's the same now as he was. He's like a little kid. He just loves what he does. Mm. And um, it, a bit like June Alaphilippe, and I think that's what Lefebvre's team's like. It mm. looks like it's good fun, isn't it? Yeah. It's just, uh, I don't know how he does it, Lefebvre. <laughs> I mean, I really don't. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, either. I don't know if it's more the, the, the people he has under him, like the likes of Rick Van Slyke, Brian Holm, you know, Pete, Wilfred Peters. <laughs> I mean, it's just... It's, it's, but it's, it never seems like there's pressure in the team, no. which I, I guess could be because they keep on winning. And I guess they're up to almost 60 wins so far this year. And they win a lot <laughs> early. It's momentum, yeah, isn't yeah. it? I think so from February onwards momentum. already. There's no pressure to win because we're already winning. And all the guys kind of just seem, well, if he can win, I can win as well. Cause mm. in it's training, infectious. In training, I'm as good as he is. So yeah. no one really seems to hesitate. Let's look forward briefly to next year as well. Who, who apart from Van der Poel, who else are we excited about here? Who's going to come through? Who's well, really going to show Dumbledore. themselves? Tom Dumoulin. <laughs> Return of Grant Thomas. Yeah, I yeah. think this performance this year was better than last year. Last yeah. year he was untouchable, but coming back from the fame, sports personality, the, the, the fame he achieved yeah. in Wales. I mean, you'll know, you know, in Cardiff he can't walk around Cardiff now. No. And I know what that's like, and it, I couldn't do it. And that's where he supersedes me as a bike rider because to come back from that and start the tour with the team doubting him, even right up to the Tourmalet was like, yeah, geez, not the same as last year. And him admitted at the summit. Mm. He got better than us. I think he could have won the tour this year. I mean, he, he's a class act and nothing phases him. He's laid, you know him as well. His laid back attitude yeah. is what makes him such a good bike. He's a, the hard one, apart from Sean Nate, the hardest man I know. Well, he, yeah, definitely. And you wouldn't right, give him right that pressure. Up. I don't no, mean no, no. in terms of like Mike Tyson walk down the street, don't look at me. No. It, it, but, you know, in terms of just getting on with it. Yeah. yeah. Definitely, and I think we we got to remember, yeah, didn't have the perfect run into the tour this year either, mm. with crashes in Dauphiné and Tour de Suisse, Tour de yeah. Suisse, and yeah. you know, it was it was Nothing it wasn't him. it wasn't no. good, right? So so coming, actually being able to get to the tour in the condition that it did, is I, I take my hat off mm. any day of the week Absolutely. to him. It was phenomenal to to do what he did, and and also I think he was possibly in a position this year. He had his his. Um, co-leader um, domestique in Negan Bernal who I think was probably too good so that when they sent him up the road to soften everyone up no one could actually catch him and all of a sudden Negan is sitting in the yellow jersey and you can't really pull him back from that yeah, I actually think, think the only mistake he made gee, was he should have attacked early on the Galibier because yep. yeah. <laughs> I think that's where Pino hit his knee and I think I actually think it would have been quite interesting yeah. Yeah. Are, we, uh, are we looking forward to seeing what Remco Vanapol can do next year as well? well that's another Rem- story, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> another story. <laughs> the only thing with him is now he's like, you know, cash, he? I mean, five years, he's got comfort. He's got, yeah, he's got his big And obviously contract. we talked about him on the, at the start this year, we, we were saying, because Lefebvre was calling him fat. 
we were <laughs> discussing the subject yeah, is he's putting right? too much pressure on him and now yeah. look at him yeah. I mean yeah. God, I mean, cycling's really changed doesn't it I mean what you know, has he been riding for less than two years on a bike mm. well, is it under like two I mean, minutes it's, yeah, it's yeah. San Sebastian I mean that, yeah. was, that was a special yeah. ride I think I just hope that Lefebvre does sort of hold back the expectations on him a little bit he's going to create expectations not just the favourite well, Belgium, already, Belgium and, about and the cycling Eddie world yeah. the cycling world that's a big you know do you guys let him ride a Grand Tour next year or no, do you no, hold him back no, for no, 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 no. that's no. the thing three years time no. I mean I mean, the days have gone I mean you'll know this the likes of how talented Tour Hushov was when he yeah, came yeah and Chris Borman, all those guys back in... It was always... He might ride the Tour next year, but it would only be 10 days. Yeah. It was always 10 days, wasn't yeah. it? Now it's just... No, 21, you can win the Tour. Straight in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, things have really changed, you know? And the question that we're all sitting here speculating as well about can he win the Tour? When, when can he win the Tour? Will he ride it next year? Is he going to win next year? The whole cycling world is... is is asking all these questions about a a 19-year-old lad. Mm. You know, he's... 19. He's, he's 19, it's it's too early to start asking those questions. Let him develop. Let him find what type of a bike rider he actually is. And I think if we if we're patient enough, it will be very exciting to watch him over the next fifteen years. If the pressure is being put on too early and he's being let, I think the, the key thing is with with young riders, any any young rider, if you if you allow them to go too deep, too early, too far, too early then the chances are that they'll have a very good career for a, for a couple of years. If you kind of hold the reins a little bit and let them develop and grow into it, then you'll have a really good career for, for 15 years. And right now, I think that, that, that there's going to be that question. Do we want Emko, Remco Evenepoel to have a five-year career and win loads of big bike races? Or do we want to see him in 15 years' time? Well, here's a question for you. Do we say that, because I say the same sort of similar generation to Maggie, that do we base that on the fact that when you think when I was 19, when I was 19, Lance won the Tour, 1999, Zula was second, you know, Scottie and all these guys, and, and, and you start thinking, I couldn't imagine challenging them guys at 19. <laughs> you know? I couldn't even get out of bed. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, but so I'm thinking, but, but has cycling changed? Should you move with the time, seeing as Bernal won the Tour this mm. year? And we've had another and you example. think, well, why isn't he ready for the Tour? Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, are we are we being too traditional now? Thinking well, actually, we might be, yeah, 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 I don't know. Well, we've had another example this week in Tadej Pogacar, yeah. aren't we? Twenty, yeah. he's not twenty-one yet, and no. he's won two stages. He's third, and he's only three minutes off the lead. It's yeah. incredible, really. Yeah. Yeah. This time last year, he was only winning the Tour de l'Avenir. Pro first year, he's won two stage races already. And he's Amgen Tour uh, California, one of them, yeah, which is an Algarve against some big sport guys. Now, isn't it really? Van der Poel, Avon Bull. Yeah, no, hey, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's and then you, you think Teo and the likes. They think, well, I'm 25, 26. I need to be doing something now. <laughs> you know? And we talk about Teo. It's like not, not too much pressure yet. Teo, you know, it's his first lead. Maybe top ten. And we're talking about these guys. You know, not even doing the first tour in the first year because they might actually win the thing. But there's also like if you go take a couple of steps further back down the down the age categories, you're looking at the the younger riders that are coming through. The training, the, the the way they handle themselves, the way they they think about bike racing, the tactical awareness is completely different to what it was when when you and I were racing, Brad, and and when we grew up in that kind of scenario. And I think mm. because it's so much more readily available to to watch bike racing, they sit there, they're like sponges, and soak up all the tactical games. What we all say when we commentate and yeah. and, and being out there on, on site, and they, they just picked up. So there's a finished product a lot earlier 
maybe not physically fully developed, but when they turn on, you can come onto the scene at, at the age of 19, 20, they know exactly what they need to do in every situation, and they're fearless because they're, they're, too, they're young. They haven't developed the fear yet. Do you think that's the same for women's cycling? Because say your daughter, mm. if she's capable of winning the elite world road race title at 19, in the same way we saw Nicole Cook win, yeah. she was 19 or something when she mm. won, yeah. you know, it's like, at what point do you just take the lead off and let them do it? Or how long do you hold them back for? Yeah, that, that's and that, that's a very interesting. Um, that's why I asked it. Very interesting question right now. <laughs> I'm full of these. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> More. <laughs> no, I, I think when they get into that point where they're 17, 18, mm. then you got to let them start start developing and like let them go in terms of the training and they almost get into the point of being full full grown adults in terms of their physical mm. and you know development. And um, if you, I think you have to look at each individual case a little bit on what they are. It's My, maturity as well. It's not it's just maturity. The no, 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 it's it? maturity of it as well. Yeah. And I think if, they have if, to handle the success as well, don't they? That's that's yeah. one of the key things. And and sort of keep a level head on it. Because Whether it goes up yeah. or down, you need to have that level head. Yeah. And to be fair to Nicole, I've sort of watched her grow around that mm. time. And it's not to mention Nicole, lovely person that, but. She didn't really have a childhood, and she didn't, you know. And uh, what you worry, I've been talking about this in my show last night. You know that, that what about when they finish cycling? They've got to be people, mm. yeah. and we, we we're not. You've got to make sure you develop them as people as well as their physical, because you can become so institutionalized and forget about the real world that you let them go into the real world, and then they've got to survive and become people. And that's the other thing you've got to do as a parent, yeah, yeah, as yeah. well as yeah, wanting exactly. to see your kids thrive. Exactly, and oh. I think if I if I take it into to to my sort of family then right now we've got Eleanor who's, mm. who's going into the first year elite next yeah. year and, and um, you know the, the, all the challenges and, and what to do with that going into next year is going to be uh, it, well it is already an interesting discussion being had at, at home and um, I mean there'll be a lot more released about that shortly I'm sure but it, it's um, it's interesting it's worrying as a dad but at yeah. the same time you've got to let them go out there and do what they what mm. they want to do and, and develop into their own people so I think as long as we can... You've, you've always got to let them find out themselves, haven't you, at some well, point? I think we, 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 all, we, can, we can only... Like, if, we, if we wrap them in too much cotton wool, mm. right, then you take the cotton wool away and, mm. and the world is a really harsh place. But we, we've all been in that position where we've made mistakes. That, that's part of, being, of growing up. And, uh, and I, I want to say that that's, mm. yeah, we're trying to work, <laughs> work with that one. Listeners, it's time to tell you a bit more about our sponsor, Lacquer. Lacquer is a smarter way of insuring your bike and your gear. It's a community of cyclists joining together to save each other money. Lacquer covers all the basics like theft and accidental loss and damage, both at home and abroad. It'll also cover you in sportives and competition races, so long as you're not riding in the pro peloton. How does Lacquer work, you ask? Well, instead of charging you a fixed premium, with Lacquer you only pay a small share of the community's claims cost, and your share is proportionate to how much you insure. Lacquer locks in a maximum price cap to make sure there are no nasty surprises, even in months with lots of claims amongst the community. And when there are no claims that month, you could even pay nothing at all. Rest assured, claims are accepted fast, usually within 24 hours. On average, Lacquer's members have saved 61% on bike insurance. So why don't you investigate the benefits for yourself? Find out more at lacquer.co.uk and enter the promo code WIGGINS to get £10 off. That's laka.co.uk and the promo code W-I-G-G-I-N-S. Brad, I'll ask Brad for you this week. Hang on, before you do that, because we keep going about who's going to win this seed, the men's road title at the Worlds. I mean, we, we always forget the women, but I, because, of course, Lizzie Armas is going back. Who's your mm. favourite for the women's race? I'm going to say Lorena Wiebes. She's had a tremendous season, hasn't yes. she? Yes. 
um, looking super quick in a sprint. Does climb pretty well. Mariana Voss is absolutely flying this I season, think Voss and, and she's been up, up on altitude. Camp she wins training. again here. I mean, was it eleven years yeah. after she last won? Yeah. I mean, oh, she's, it's likely to be a Dutch winner, surely. Yeah. given the. So straight, I think I think we discount <laughs> Lizzie Armstrong at all costs. Then no, 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 too soon for Lizzie. I don't think what she's already done is quite quite good anyway isn't it really if it turns into be a, a, a hard time. bike race and, mm. diff- and, and a, a, a bike race that suits her then I think she's mm. definitely capable of winning it and of course being being at home mm. that will is it not her last world championships as well I think she said she'd retire Olympics after the Olympics, Olympics next year yeah. and then so, that's that so, um, where are the worlds yeah. next year uh, the world championships next year uh, Switzerland right. Switzerland if not Voss Rob <laughs> Van der Breggen Again, it's take your pick from that Dutch team, isn't yeah. it? Um, do you know? I would, I'm going to say Armistead because I think she's going to be. She'll have been concentrating on it, and yeah, I think you know there's a reason that she's. She'll be she's, there. She's she, she, guess, she looked pretty good at the, yeah. the women's tour, and, I thought, and she's looking she good at the moment in Belgium as well. Mm. Like she, there's uh, the the Bulls Ladies Tour is currently on uh, over in Belgium, and she's uh, she's consistently making front group, being there like challenging. So um, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for Marianne Voss's teammate at CCC or CCC Live I should say uh, Ashley Mulman Passier just as a as a point of difference mm. she's, mm. Just, she's been looking for a looking for a big win all season hasn't quite happened for her and maybe uh, maybe I should be a bit kinder as well it's, it's Lizzie Dignan isn't it now it is me. yeah quite right yeah. well played Phil won't mind <laughs> <laughs> he knows what you mean Brad it's time for your heavyweight question uh, go for it well here he is evening Brad evening everyone I hope you're well quick question. Was winning gold at the Olympics the highlight of your career? Uh, so there, there he is, Anthony Joshua, was winning, uh, so he's talking about London specifically, yeah. was winning that Olympic gold on the road uh, the high point of your career? Yeah, I mean, well, I, say it was my, I always thought it was my defining moment, really. Ten days after the Tour, London Olympics, I mean, it's never going to happen again. 32 years of age. Prime my career, I got better towards the end of the Tour, and the time trial was the thing I loved the most. Um, it was the thing I could control the most without it being a lottery. I mean, we saw Cav was favourite for the road race and everything that could go wrong in 200-odd K. Hmm. Um, and, and you only get one shot at that the road. But the time trial's a bit more... It's not so, as much of a lottery. You know, if you, you know if you can average this power you know, and, and be as aerodynamic, you've got a pretty good chance. And I was unbeaten all year in the long time trials that year. So 10 days before, I won the time trial in Le Shout. And the tour average was an hour and 10 minutes over 455 watts. And I thought this could be 20 minutes shorter. Ramp it up a bit. And I had 469 watts that day. That was my... For 50 minutes, that was my best physical performance ever 32 prime of my career 69 kilos it was never going to get any better than that really i could match it or get close to that but it, that was it was as much the expectation of what was riding on it that day as well and timing as well you know i think it was all about timing and you know tony martin was there. the guys i really looked up to my peers as the greatest time trialist fabian cancellara from he's still you know in his prime he didn't look like a time trialist and I was always amazed how he made a bike move so fast. You know, I think it was it was, it was incredible, really. And, and aside from that, he'd win Paris-Roubaix to a Flanders, mm-hmm. Trino Adriatico to a Switzerland. He'd been in the mountains, 10 days in the Tour, riding for Basso. I mean, it was just amazing, amazing. And so, you know, it was, it was just a great day and um, full of fear, full of insecurity, 5K to go. I remember I said that last night and I was showing Hull. Sean Yates said you'd barely 29 seconds up to Ali Martin. <laughs> and I, um, in my head, I thought Tony's held something back. You know, the 5K's going to come, you know, just my insecurity. What if he beats me, you know? So you just constantly ask these questions of yourself, in, you know, as, as a professional athlete. Most of them are really insecure at that high level because you think someone's going to beat you. And I thought, right, just hold 500 watts then, Brad. So I'm feathering 500, 495, 10, you're 5K, die, you know, hanging. And as I said last night, the desperation came around the last bend, looking at the clock, thinking I may. 
And then they I come across the line. They said you won. I said no, no. Wait till Cancellara finishes. You know, because I just until he'd finished, I wouldn't accept that I'd won. You know, so yeah. amazing day. And um, yeah, I, I knew it was never going to get any better. That I would do other things, but you know that. I mean, yeah. And I so mean, you must have had that, mate. When you won Paris Roubaix, it's like Paris Roubaix. I mean, the London Olympic time trial would elevate me in, in this country in a, in, a, in a general public sense nationally. But I still think if I'd have won the time trial in Rio, so I would have swapped that still for an at Paris Roubaix. Mm. But I wouldn't swap London for Paris Roubaix because of obvious reasons. Mm. But I was people always say, "What's the one thing you would have swapped something for Olympic gold or whatever?" And I always said Paris Roubaix. You know, it was just for me and for cycling and for what it stands for. It was it was something very special. Is that, is that the one sort of I wouldn't say regret but for the want of a better word for it is that the one thing that you're missing from your career Probably, as a cyclist yeah. but you know what the one that gives me the most pride is coming off that tour and everything and 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 you know i don't mind admitting it, i don't shame in it just that, that i always already felt it was an achievement when i coming into the velodrome with the people i considered the best of my generation mm-hmm. you know there was set vermont cancellara sagan boonen g g, g got seven yeah, yeah. Um, Terpster went off the front. I mean, I mean, it was just like I came into the velodrome. I've come across Koffer. I passed Boonen, like, dropping Boonen on the Koffer. This was stuff that I like <laughs> my pants for as a kid. <laughs> and when you actually start doing it, you think, now, yeah. you know. And, and that that was like because I was such a fan of the sport. You know, the, the emotions taken away from the sport in the Tour de France. It was day to day to day that you, you, it's gone out of it. The joy you think you finished the tour. I've won the tour. But was that the same tour I watched in Jerome when in '93? <laughs> no, it's not. It must not be. You know. Yeah. But Paris Bay, nothing changes. That Carfa de Labra and, and all those sectors, you know, that that's the same one. You know, that is the same one you watched Sunday in Hell when you're 14. Yeah, yeah. And you come down that last boulevard. And I, I can remember '97 when Moncassin attacks Chamil up that little drag of 4k to go, which feels like Alpes by then. It is Alpes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can remember just Moncassin coming to the velodrome without in Gedon one, and I remember yeah. the, you know, the year before Museo and you know '94 um, when Chamil did 60k, and so that was my teenage years watching Paris-Roubaix you know Chamil in the rain Ducla de Salle winning you know, Ballerini thinking he'd won and all that and it, it was it was Paris-Roubaix for me I couldn't help but not be a fan that day and to, to be in there and to, to say I got top 10 in Paris-Roubaix is almost a win for me as, yeah. win, as well as winning the tour and also then it puts you in a different category because Le Mans got top 10 in the tour Eno so there's not many tour winners G that have finished top 10 in something like that which is about as hard as it gets in terms of bike handling you know diversity in terms of Constable couldn't get top 10 in Paris. It's almost like watching yeah. a different sport. It, it, it defines it you from some of the other tour winners, and you think, yeah. as well as doing the hour record, as well, pushing another bridge. So I quite like that, you know, the kind of diversity thing of it. And, and, it, and ninth is just as good as winning for me. I would have liked to cobble on my stone. I did actually nick one from 6 to 15 with a crowbar and Alan Williams. <laughs> That's why. I, I, dug it up on my, I dug it up on my last Paris Bay. It's now in my wall at home, <laughs> which is illegal. Who cares? <laughs> Hopefully they won't come But it is, you, I mean, you, you must have realised what it was like when you won. I mean, when Matt Hayden it, won the other year, yeah. I mean, it, you, you get a sense at Roubaix what you've done. It, it actually took quite a bit of time before mm. you it sinks in and what you've actually mm. done. But for me, the the first year that is that because you think is this happening? Is, yeah, Are it, they is, me it was very much like that. Yeah. So so the year that I won it, we went across the Carrefour and I was on Museo's wheel. Yeah. I mean, and I was amazed that I wasn't getting dropped. Mm. And then you get out of that that section and you look around. There's only we were only five riders in there, and Cancellara's one, Tristan Hoffman, mm. Roger Hammond, uh, and, and myself, and and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and that was that was it, you know. And you thought, wow. But before that, I remember '98 watching you working yeah. for Moncassin. Yeah. Uh, when Ballerini won the great Ballerini, my St. Bernard dog's named after Franco Ballerini, called Franco. The late, the late great. And beautiful on a bike. And um, I remember your interview after that day saying, yeah. "I'm going to dedicate my life to this race." 
I did. I'll never forget them words, you know? I did. And I said that. But you only got, you, you only got a straight run at it probably once, didn't you, from that yeah. point on? Yeah. Which, and you won it. But, the, but the, that, was, that was years and years and years of preparation, mm. working out equipment, working out what worked for well, me. Well, working yeah. out that a pair of zip-toe twos don't go across the car for the lava when you're 90 kilos. Well, I did that <laughs> later on, I tried that. But it was, it's kind of, kind of got to the point after, after having, I, like I said, I got seventh in, in 98 and I worked for Fred Monkerson mm. that year and I got to the end of that and lent my bike up against a truck and Roger Lecheux, the, the boss of Credit Agricole at the time, comes over and gives me a big pat on the back and I said... Look, I'm, I'm going to win this one day before I hang up my bike, and, and it kind of literally became my obsession. Um, I raced my bike for one day a year, and that, that was the second Sunday in April. And it's still uh, a holy day in my calendar uh, every year. There's nothing else but Paris-Roubaix happens on that day. But then I, I won it, and that was obviously an amazing feeling, super proud of everything that, that, that went on and how we, we prepared for that race. But then all of a sudden you're sitting there and I'm thinking, right, if I continue doing the same thing, then can I expect the same result? And I want, didn't want to be sort of a meteor that landed on Earth that one day because I thought kind of, you know, I, would, I prepared well, I was good, um, got a little bit lucky with Van Pietigen puncturing. I didn't want to be have any luck going into the following couple of years, so I started researching, looking at new ways of developing what wheels could we ride, what tyres did we do at the time, and, and sort of moving forward with technology. And... You were saying that those uh, those you know three or threes they were that we used the three yeah. three zip wheels that we used. I'd done they probably about integrated, didn't they? done about thirty <laughs> thirty odd uh, proper hits across the forest of Arenberg on them, motor paste onto it, and not a single time had they gone any, even remotely wrong. And I thought this is this is a a qualified gamble to take to move the world on to something new. And about two years later, everyone was on carbon fiber wheels, and I don't think there's a single person ever rides no. on aluminium wheels no, these amazing, days. So yeah. the sport has changed, and because there's so many riders coming through, there's more and more bike riders out there in the mm. world who want to be professional bike riders. And with that, the, the creme de la creme of the sport at a, a 17, 18-year-old, 19, 20, 21-year-old are so good that the margin of error for the top professional bike riders, is there isn't one. And with that, yeah. there's a bit more hesitation, I think. But at the same time, everyone is just that much better. So yeah. it takes a lot to, to make it blow the field apart like we used to do. But I also think it's this. I don't know if it's just me because I was a fan, but respect. people say there's less respect in the peloton. I don't think it's, everyone thinks they can win it. And there's less hierarchy, I think, which is the main thing now. So, but when I, so my first tour of Flans coming to the Molenberg, I was trying to take uh, Jackie Durand, Fred Gaidon, all that into the Molenberg, and found myself with Andre Schmiel, Van Petter, Gemion, Museo, these guys, and I thought, hang on, these are my heroes. I need to just, I don't want to get in their way. But now, like, they'll take Sagan out, you know, because a 21, like, we, this is maybe why Avonpool could, yeah. you know, that you didn't feel the right to be there. Like, I'm only first pro, I'm not, I have no right to be here. But now, maybe that was just me. I don't know. You know no, I, I kind of felt like they, that. You, you looked up to the bigger guys and the, the, the sort of the, the big yeah. guys at the time, and, and you sort of you watched and learned, and, and you kind of somewhat in filtrated the way of riding there yeah. at some point when they kind of gave you the all yeah, yeah you're good you're safe to ride and and you can you can be part of this running towards the this now it, it was yeah. a little bit more like that i think but yeah as you're saying this now yeah, yeah. everyone thinks they so, can it win. is a bike race at the end of the day yeah, there yeah. shouldn't be a hierarchy but cycling was like that it was almost yeah. led from the top and um i don't know if it's it's an observation so i don't know if it's, it's maybe but I, I remember when i when i signed for uh, for gan and um, there was Eros Pauli, there was uh, Hank Vogel, Stuart O'Grady, and they were all leading Fred mm. Monkerson out for the sprint. And, I mean, I came in there with quite a bit of power to, uh, to put into a lead-out train, but it took me two months of 
basically being put in on the wheel of Fred Moncasen to watch, learn how the team did it, what they did and didn't do, how Fred wanted to move through the peloton because he never wanted to be taken around the bunch. And he then all he had some bike handling skills. Didn't he? he did, and and yeah. then all of a sudden uh, you wake up one morning and they go, Maggie, you, you're in you're in the lead out. And by the way, you're taking Fredo straight through the bunch up to the front where we'll meet you after having taken a nice calm way around it. But but that was like it was a big tick in the box. So I've all right, I've I've given these guys the time. I've watched. I've learned. I've understood how they move. Mm. And now I'm part of the group. That has yeah. I think that's changed a lot. Another man would like to understand how he moves. The Dane of the day, perhaps. Yeah. yeah, who is it? Well, I know well, it is. You've just been speaking to him in the uh, canteen. Was it? Did I see Sean? It's not Tony Gibb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sean Lilholt? Sean. 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 Sean Lilholt. How are you? Sean. Sean. <laughs> I'll call him Sean. <laughs> I'm pretty glad I've been on nine five guys. I never know five guys. Jesus. They don't have that in Copenhagen. You, uh, what do you go for? Do you have a bit, bit of bacon? Cheese, bacon? Yeah. Chips. Cajun chips, actually. Yeah. Milkshake with cream on top. You, uh, you got to watch your weight, though, haven't you? Nah, I'm finished, man. I was Danish champion. I held the green judge in the short France for one day. Who has it now? I don't know. I don't watch cycling anymore. I'm an estate agent now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. No problem. Us. Is that it? I well, come all the way for Denmark for that. <laughs> hey, guys, well, I still get to pay the same money, huh? I'm m- going. M- Bye. <laughs> Uh, always, always good to have a surprise guest with us. Yeah, he's, he's a lovely guy. Sorry, he's, he's, yeah, yeah I, I didn't know he was coming. He's in Weatherspoons down Shitty Harbour. Cheaper now. Maggie, do you ever catch up with him? There's a fellow Scandinavian. Oh, I have done in the past. Welsh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welsh, yeah. yeah no, no, definitely, definitely. It's always good to uh, get a bit of Scandi language going. Um, well, that's as good a place as any to bring to a conclusion uh, this episode of the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport. Sponsored by Lacquer. Thanks oh, to our sponsor, Lacquer, bicycle insurance powered by the community. Brad, you'll be out in Madrid for I know, the next I'll go back to the world here. Next yeah. week, yeah. yeah. Uh, final stage. Um, so you will be with our man, Matt Stevens. Yes. In the meantime, Eurosport uh, one. I think we've got a very special surprise for our um, World Championship podcast. We'll, we'll, we'll inform the nation next week. We will come to that, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, stay tuned. Watch this space, as they say. So Eurosport it's coming one. from a... Bradford. It's, it's not coming from there. Oh, no, it's well, not. It's Sorry, I thought it was. Yeah, that was that. That was, oh. that was, that was, that was Christmas party. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. yeah. Uh, Eurosport 1 and Eurosport Player, quickly, is where we can watch the best, where you can watch the best of the action live from the Vuelta, uh, which presumably Rob and Maggie, you'll be commentating on in, in some form or another. Well, hopefully, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, we started it, so we might as well go to Madrid. Yeah, uh, if you can hold it together, hopefully. Rob can stay in one piece. Yeah. Um, you can stay up to date with you, Maggie, on social media at... Of course, at Maggie underscore PR. Maggie underscore PR. Rob, you're on. Rob. Robatch TV. And we can see how your uh, your wounds continue to fix themselves, hopefully. Brad, as ever, at... Well, sir, we go. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't so, use that so, much. Yeah, well, you can follow Eurosport on Twitter and Instagram at Eurosport underscore UK. And you can, of course, also find us on Facebook. Finally, from me, Graham Wilgos, it's goodbye. If you've enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, share your thoughts and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Brad, safe travels. Looking Cheers. forward to hearing from you in Madrid. Maggie, Rob, thank you for joining us. Adios. Adios. Yeah. The Bradley Wiggins Show is a Muddy Knees Media production for Eurosport. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.